All right, what's going on, everybody? This is once again, it's Cronus and Bunny Man uh, from Black and Yellow, and we're going to do something a little different this time around. We're going to talk about some political stuff because there is a candidate that came out this year uh, that I think it has the power to change America. We both do. And it's, and it's Andrew Yang. And we've been kind of talking back and forth about Andrew Yang for a while now. I didn't know that, you know, you were Yang Gang uh, mm-hmm. until you, like, Yang brought Gang. it up. Yeah, and <laughs> Yang Gang is, like, the shit. Um, I had no idea who Andrew Yang was prior to the Joe Rogan podcast. Me as well, to yeah. be honest. And uh, I did... I was... Actually, no, that's not true. I saw some small local articles about this random Asian guy who was announcing to run for president which is andrew yang but i didn't read any i didn't see any or coverage or i didn't read anything and then it wasn't until joe rogan where i'm like okay what's going on here <laughs> nice yeah when i heard the reason why i actually really wanted to watch a podcast is because he was a huge proponent about uh universal basic income and for me i've been talking about it for probably the past two years when i first heard about it i was like like most people i'm like that sounds stupid like how are you gonna pay for that Mm-hmm. And, like, how are you going to do that? It seems like you're just giving away money, blah, 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 blah. And I thought it was an – after I did some research, uh, I found that it was an excellent idea, but I didn't know exactly how you would pay for everything. And after listening to him speak on the Joe Rogan podcast, he explained exactly how to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so if you can explain exactly how to pay for it, then I'm all in um, without drastically increasing uh, everyone's taxes. And, and that for, for me, from a, I, I work in the tech field. I've been – I've been in IT since I was 17 years old, and I'm 40 years old now. And for me, I, I see the, the, the problem coming. I saw it coming a long time ago. It's, uh, it's automation, and eventually we are going to basically run out of jobs at some point in time. And I know that people want to say that, you know, there's been other industrial revolutions that came along before, and we never had this kind of problem. And it's, uh, first of all, you are correct. We haven't had problems, like, running out of jobs. But um, when we had these transitions in those periods, there's always been violence. And every single one of them. And uh, it's not taking into account that technology today is outstripping jobs faster than we can create them. Typically in history, uh, I'll take the automotive industry, for example. When we had people that were, um, when they first created cars, they were thinking, oh, what's going to happen to blacksmiths? You know, people that, you know, shoot horses, shit like that. But those people, they transferred over to being um, mechanics. And that, that was a little bit easier to do. But we have things today where we have these other kinds of jobs where you, just, you cannot transition from um, certain kinds of job to being like, say, a coder or a programmer or something like that or, you know, anything in like the IT field. I, I think it's, it's more than insulting to think that somebody that drives a truck or flips burgers uh, has the capability to learn complex algorithms uh, on a computer. Like it, I don't under people that say that they don't really understand what it is to code, and they don't understand what it is to drive a truck or flip burgers. Like there's somebody that's laying in neither of those fields, and I think that it's incredibly insulting to say that. Oh, we'll just find them new jobs in the tech field, but there's very few jobs in the tech field. <laughs> in, in, in the STEM field, I think it's something like eight percent of people mm-hmm. that are in those fields, and even though there's a need, it's never going to be one hundred percent. In STEM fields. Well, even, I mean, everything is getting automated anyways, eventually. So um, it definitely smashes across blue-collar and white-collar jobs. So, yeah. you know, even, like, for me as a uh, freelance filmmaker working with different, um, 
needs, I have been able to, you know, use alternatives to humans for like design needs or mock-up needs or like prototyping or get it. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. basically, you just have to think about it like this. Anything that you do in life, imagine like how you used to have to do it and who had to do that for you to be able to do what you're doing, you know? And it's like now if it's automatic, then that means somebody lost a job. Yeah. It's <laughs> any, um, any field or any task that you do that is repetitive um, can probably be automated and that, mm-hmm. that has like low cognitive ability can be automated. So if you, if you're doing a job where you're not using that much of your brain to do it and you know that your job could probably be automated unless you're a genius, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, then it's a little bit different, but, but if you are a genius, then you're probably not doing repetitive things mm-hmm. all the time anyway. Um, and, and if, if people think that they're safe in like certain jobs, but I mean, they're, they're already making robots that can like, you know, lay drywall. You know what I mean? Or, or, you know, do concrete work, you know, build houses. They have they have 3D printed houses now. And that's just a robot. You just sit it in one spot. Yeah, and exactly. And splits up the concrete. It's like that. How many jobs is that one robot <laughs> replacing? This is insane. Yeah, that, that's it. For, for a house, that's at least, to me, and I'm not, even though I did, I, I literally built a mm-hmm. building in my backyard. That's at least 10 jobs, I'm thinking. Yeah. Probably more than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? For, Definitely for one more than more than 10 people with being touched by that yeah it could be other freelancers or things like that and the robot doesn't need to sleep doesn't (laughs) need health care you know it doesn't need time it it doesn't need anything that humans need you know and i think that people they don't understand um they don't understand that wrecking ball coming into society i mean like right now um i said a, a long time ago with uh minimum wage getting raised when people said that you know oh we need to have minimum wages to 15 dollars. i mean that's a nice idea but to be honest, the jobs that you're trying to, to say that needs to be paid $15, they're the most minimum skilled jobs that I can imagine. And people should not be getting paid that much money to do a skill that a robot can replace. And for proof of this, if you look at McDonald's now, they're already replacing people with kiosks because they're not difficult jobs to do. To take an order, you can just click on a button to get what you want. And right now they have people making you know the, the food still, but they're replacing the people that take your order and eventually they're just going to replace the person that's making your food with a robot too. Cause they have robots that can make food as well. And so I think people that are complaining about minimum wage needing to be raised. It's like you, you guys are, you're rushing in your own apocalypse. Mm. Like you, you're just, you're speeding it up. Mm. You know, like, like right now you're in like this weird kind of gray zone where, uh, corporations are willing to pay you the minimum skilled jobs to train you to hopefully to get you to a, a better level to where you're a skilled worker you know what I mean? But they're they're not making hardly any money. This is big secret. Any corporation that's paying you money, there are they should be getting some sort of profit off of your labor. And if you think it's if you think otherwise, then you don't know the deal. You know <laughs> what I mean? So they they need to make some sort of profit off of you. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you keep raising that minimum wage uh, bracket at some point, it's going to be a breaking point for those companies, and they're, they're going to replace you because mm. you don't have the skills to get paid more. And well, it, I think also the, the, the thing is, regardless of all that, you, you're going to be replaced, period. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's because you want more money or not, it's if just a matter of time, you know? Yeah. And, and the, the, the main thing for me with these jobs, especially at the, the, the low to minimum skilled jobs, is that these are jobs that people shouldn't be doing, mm-hmm. in my mind. Like, I, I used a, a kind of a harsh example, but I back in the day... I'm pretty sure no slave ever complained when the cotton gin was invented. 
You know what I mean? Because it, it was something that com- that replaced their job, but nobody wanted to be out in the fields fucking picking cotton. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you're fighting for these jobs that are that are so menial when you should be fighting for higher education, you know, better jobs, not just the minimum. You're fighting for a bare minimum when you should be raising the floor of uh, of your overall, uh, what do you call it, like overall living. You know what I mean? Like you, you could actually improve your your standard of life and you're fighting for the for the bare minimum. And and this is where these corporate I think this I think corporations are actually enjoying this fight for minimum wage because you're fighting for the bottom instead of fighting for the top or fighting for a better life. That you know, is true. I mean, why are why are people fighting for the for the bare minimum, you know, requirements to live when we should not be living like that? I mean, I I saw that when I was like when I when I was younger, I didn't give I didn't care at all how much I got paid. You know what I mean? Like I just I, I went in there knowing that I'm going to be taught a skill. I got paid like when I, when I first started working, I was 13 years old. It was in the early 90s, and I was happy just to just to go to work and just learn how to work. You know what I mean? I, I didn't care about how much. I, to me, it was just it was it was cool that I got paid, but it was cool to like learn a new skill. And I, I think that a lot of people they don't think like that. Now, I mean, you might think that I'm wrong, but I mean. I'm fairly successful now. I'm not like some rich asshole, but I, you know, I, I built myself up from nothing to where I am now, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy. So that's awesome. Uh, so what are what are the challenges that Andrew Yang is facing right now? So as far as his his, his campaign is going right now, in uh, I guess January 9th, twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> well, basically, he's fighting a front um, by a lot of mainstream media. And I, that part I don't understand. Like, there's a whole, like, uh, Andrew Yang media blackout thing where they think that his idea of, uh, you know, UBI, he's, that, that, that is his main uh, proposal. But he has, like, over 160 proposals. So it's not just that. He has a whole bunch of other ones that people just, they don't want to dive into. They, they focus on UBI, and they don't think that it's possible, but it is. And, and because I, I think because of that reason... Um, they are choosing to leave him out of uh, graphics on shows. They they don't talk about him at all. They don't talk about how much money he's raised. Um, you know, MSNBC, MSNBC. There's been a huge deal um, about him not even being called upon in, in debates. There was I think it was 31 minutes into one of the debates, he wasn't called upon at all until 31 minutes in the debate, and he still only got what seven minutes of speaking time in previous debates. He only got two minutes of speaking time. He had his mic cut before. And this is, an, this is a guy who's very well-spoken. You know, he answers questions directly. And they're just deciding to kind of screw him over. And I think it's because he is trying to overturn um, the inequalities for everyone. And I don't I think mean, that... I mean, the, the reason why they're blacking him out is they don't, want it, they don't want these things to be brought into light. And they don't want it to deal with it. They don't want somebody coming out of nowhere, just like Trump, in terms of creating their whole entire agenda that has nothing to do with what their game is, and this time it's based on facts and you know yeah. and data and um and for a good purpose for a good cause right like humanity first so it's like you know uh, I think that's why a lot of people are responding to him I think the people who try to just look at it as objectively as possible definitely like him because it's like well once you start doing research it's like if you don't already know, understand uh, AI or, you know, the different issues that humanity is going to face, or if you, you know, 
you're going to figure it out once you start researching that nobody else is even talking about it. So <laughs> I actually think that that's actually one of the main like problems with Andrew Yang mm. is that it takes someone to really do research to understand what he's talking about because he's he's not like a politician. He's not going to give you. I mean, he, he gives sound bites, but to really understand his stances on like a lot of issues, it takes more than just thirty seconds. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, I had to actually, you know, research and really understand what he's talking about. But if, if you just look at his proposals at face value, you're just like, yes, no. You know, you know, if, you, if you're just binary about stuff, then, yeah, you're going to have issues. But if you take the time and understand that this man is really trying to uplift all of our society in America and just take the time to actually just do the research or listen to this podcast, um, <laughs> you will see that we could be a, a better off society with a... a with the minimal impact to the way that our society runs. And, that, and that's the way I, I like it. I, that's what I like the most about him. It says that he is, uh, has to launch a write-in campaign in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. I guess like some form is filled out wrong and there's been like a huge deal about that. You know, so I mean, another challenge that he's gonna, that he is facing is that, um, as an outsider, you have to have really good, connections and uh, a team to help you get through things uh, and take advantage of opportunities. Um, so when you have like a, a, a new organization, I think it takes, it's, you know, it's harder because you don't have the experience, the same level of experience, you know? Yeah. So, because even Trump, he had obviously people that he was connected to and was able to build his power base and stuff like that. And then... Yeah, Bannon and, and Conway and... And yeah. then move together, you know, once you have your click. But there's... Andrew Yang doesn't have that, right? Well, like, he's got... Uh, Zach, I forget his last name. His, uh, his campaign manager. He's doing actually really Oh, no, his job. team yeah. is great. But I'm saying, like... His personal team is great. But I'm saying to to win a presidency, you need, like... A squad of people right yeah, like yeah. and whether they're seen or not you know what i mean and so like having that clout that's real actual clout in politics in the world to be able to make things move because politics is so dirty man the, the people who've been doing it forever know all the dirty little tricks and yeah. there's, there's probably a million ways he's been screwed over without the public oh, yeah. even knowing you know oh, well, like, the, i mean the most in recent so many one, small ways yeah the most recent one that, that i know of it's just totally true is that the DNC itself is kind of fucking him over because... Exactly. Of um, course they are. They don't want him to be the face of their party because he's not part of the system. Yeah, and that's, that's a huge on. problem. But let, let me just break down, like, Sorry, yeah, for people that don't know. Um, so they upped the, the, the requirements to get into the next debate, which is in a couple of days. It's in, I think it's on Tuesday or something like that, on the 14th of January. And so there's a requirement for how much money you've raised and how many donors you have, which he's he's passed because I mean he raised sixteen million dollars, uh, over sixteen million dollars in Q4, which is like way better than what he did previously. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's always making gains, um, and then they also made the threshold of um, polling, and so they said you have to. I think it was like maybe six percent in like four polls or something like that. It might have been seven percent, um, but the problem is is that the DNC has, hasn't had that many qualifying polls since November of last, last year. So it's been more than a month and a half where they haven't had a poll in, like, the key states. And so for him, and this is after a debate happened, so obviously you're not going to move up in a poll 
until you have a debate or until you've had ads run. And he didn't have ads running until November, you know, for a lot of these states. And so for them to say to up the polling requirements without running uh, new polls, it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, I think that's really messed up for them to do to this guy when he's clearly on a roll, you know, on in, in key states. Yeah, but we can't be surprised that <laughs> that they're trying to fuck him over. I mean, I think, you know what it is? I just realized as you were speaking, it's Andrew Yang and the people versus the establishment. Yes. Because it's not Andrew Yang and anybody else in the establishment trying to help him out. It's literally Yang Gang. <laughs> yeah. Yang Gang has come far. If y'all, if y'all don't know, that the Yang Gang is basically so we call, like, especially early adopters for Andrew Yang. If, if you're an adopter, if you are going to vote for Andrew Yang, you're part of the Yang Gang, whether sure, you know it or not. For sure. For sure. You, you know? And it's like this this totally grassroots movement. It, it's it's a lot like uh, the Bernie Sanders folks, like the, the Bernie bros. Mm-hmm. Um, but we go pretty hard like i i had never donated to any candidate ever in my life and I've, I've donated to andrew yang 10 times last year nice to make sure that you know that he got on stage and i want him to i want him to become our president i mean i think that if from all the people that i've seen on the stage so far he's the only person that i believe um really cares about problems that americans are currently having um, I, I know that everybody tries to think that they do, and I mean, I, I'm, I like Tulsi Gabbard too, but her message is for um, anti-war stuff, which I'm totally about. So for me, like the ticket, if it's like my ideal ticket, is Andrew Yang president, Tulsi Gabbard vice president. That's that. That's just me. Okay. But I feel like he's trying to fix problems, mm. and everybody else is just trying to trying to use talking points to get elected to become president. Everybody else is is doing the same zombie bullshit talk. He's the only one that's trying to actually speak clearly, you know. Um, but it's easy for us to say that as supporters. So what is a good way for somebody who is uh, not part of Yang Gang, who's just listening, to to take a step towards understanding why we support him so much? You well, know? I guess if you want to understand what the main reason why I support him is because we, we talked about UBI, which is or the Freedom Dividend, which is what he calls it because it, it, uh, it pulls better. Um, the reason why uh, I support him is because... Freedom Dividend! Yeah, the Freedom Dividend. <laughs> this, this is great. The Freedom Dividend is basically giving every American over the age of 18 um, until they die $1,000 a month, free and clear. There's no questions asked. Um, and if you're wondering how to pay for it, I'll break it down for you. All right, so the main way we would pay for it is uh, putting in a, a mild value-added tax, which basically most countries, especially in Europe, and pretty much every country that's developed, uh, has a value added tax, and so what that is is that it's a uh, it's a tax to where if you're building like a car, you get uh, taxes on the parts that you're using to assemble the car. So and, and there's no way to escape this, All right? So the the problem right now with, with our society and, and the way our tax codes are written is that we have certain corporations that are getting around paying any taxes. Uh, Amazon is what is a major one; they pay no federal taxes. Google, uh, Facebook, a lot of other companies they, they get around these laws by uh, getting companies are getting their base company in like Ireland or some shit like that, or in some other country where they have more lax tax laws, even though the vast majority of what they do is here in America. So they're skirting tax laws and not paying their fair share. So the way that he would get uh, UBI mostly funded is through the value added tax. Um, and it, it's great because, like I said before, you cannot escape this because, and it's also it's elegant because you can, you can vary 
what you tax and how much you tax. So his idea is to do a basic tax on most goods is going to be 10% value-added tax. And that's just going to be built into the price of what you buy. So your prices for, you know, uh, certain goods will go up a little bit, but it's not going to be like, it's, it's not going to tank the economy. And you can also make it so certain goods do not get value-added tax. Like things that you need, like uh, toilet paper, diapers, uh, you know, other goods like uh, tampons, or, you know, stuff like that. Um, you can set taxes on that or not. And that, that works way better. You could also add in extra VAT taxes for things that are uh, luxury items. Like if you want to buy like a yacht, you can jack that up to like 25%. You know what I mean? That way it guarantees that people that are millionaires and billionaires um, cannot avoid this tax because we have so many tax holes and tax loops in our society that there's really, it'd be very difficult to, to rewrite those taxes. But if you do the VAT tax, it guarantees that they're going to pay them. Like no matter, because they're going to have to, people that are here in America have to buy stuff. And if I you, mean, they should just, for the capitalists, they should just rename it the uh, the free wallet dividend because that money is going to go right back to them anyways. Yes, and that's the thing. So for people, <laughs> and the thing is for him, that he That doesn't says, go in the mattress. Yeah, and so the, the thing with the, the freedom dividend is that you give it to everyone, even the billionaires, mm-hmm. but the thing is, is that uh, the billionaire getting that thousand dollars a month. It's also opt in. Well, why don't you just say that it's like taxes with tears, but it's in reverse. The more money you make, the less of the freedom and you, dividend you get. If you're a billionaire, you get a fucking middle finger. Well, and then, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, you kind of do, right? Because if you think about it, if you're a billionaire and you're you spend a lot of money, the amount of percentage that you get back from the freedom dividend is minuscule. But if you're if you're poor or middle class. The amount of money that you're putting into that through value-added taxes, because you're obviously buying less stuff than a billionaire, mm-hmm. is going to be markedly more. And the, the amount of money that you get back that you're going to put back in the economy, if you're poor or middle class, because let's be honest, if you got an extra thousand dollars a month, where's it going to go? It's going to go through stuff you need. Exactly. Like um, gonna, or a really bad drug habit, you know. I and mean, then and that's, that, that that also works. That's in, fine too. It works because you know it's enough money that some people will kill themselves with it. And so, therefore, that will be, uh, you know, natural selection. But let me <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. no, no, no. But I mean, even with even if even if that's true, people are doing that right now anyway. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, so that's what not, I'm saying. Yeah, it that, would, that go, it not would happen change. faster, and then and then you wouldn't. I have, don't even think it would happen faster. And then you you wouldn't have to pay the dividend to that person. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think, think it would be the same amount. But personally, I think it would be the same amount of people. Listen, if if you are a drug addict before, no, I think it's UBI, the same amount of people, but it happens to yeah. them faster. Maybe, maybe, dude. If yeah. you're a heroin addict and you have a thousand dollars a month to spend, your veins are not going to take it for that long. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you're gonna literally. Kill yourself. Eventually. Well, but, but also, I mean, it's one of his other proposals. Imagine an alcoholic like, with thousand dollars a month. Yeah, but but one of his other proposals, money. which goes well with this, is like you know really kind of ending the the war on drugs and getting like you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, money and and development has to go towards supportive services, so we still have better quality of life. But I'm just saying, I'm just making a black joke that you know. Oh, and why is it black joke? I mean, everybody does drugs, dark. man. What the fuck? You, oh, why can you equated <laughs> drugs to black? Jesus, like man. a black comedy, yeah. man. Black comedy, <laughs> Jesus. That's hilarious. We got jokes. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> it's a dark joke. See, dark sounds bad too now, even. I guess, yeah. I mean, by the way, I, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, I think, what do you think about this? I think only black people <laughs> should be allowed to use 
the eggplant emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, that's hilarious. <laughs> never thought about that before. Yeah. Huh? I never thought. I never Isn't even thought that about that funny? before. Isn't that funny? Because I was looking at that emoji and I thought, you know, that's a most, large plan for most, most people. Yeah, I was like, yeah. most people are uh, appropriating that emoji yeah. because they're not really. I was at the supermarket and I looked at an eggplant. I was like, dude, this is fucking. This is a dangerous vegetable. You <laughs> yeah, know? Like, people should be using string beans. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm trying to think of like very small my, vegetables. My future yeah. woke tip for, of the day yeah. is if you're not black, you're not allowed to use... Or maybe a few people will still be allowed to use the eggplant emoji. I think it's but... great. Have you seen like the throbbing vein? <laughs> like eggplant? That's like... No. Yeah, that is funny to me. Oh they, they have a throbbing vein uh, purple eggplant. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Sorry, sidetracked. Yeah. But, just, um, let's get back to politics, happens. I guess. <laughs> what is yeah. politics? I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's tough, man. Well, that's what you're gonna get. You're gonna get this kind of stuff on this, on this, mm-hmm. on our conversations. We'd like to joke around a lot. So yeah, that's true. We're probably not. Also, disclaimer: I don't think we're the. I'll speak for myself, but I don't. I don't think uh, we are the uh, most representative of the Yang Gang uh, as a whole, because just like any individual, you can't. You know, it's hard to represent the whole group because yeah, yeah. I think. Why? Right, because a lot of people who th- the reason why he brings together so many different demogra- from different de- demographics is because he does speak to different values, you know. Yes. Um, but it's kind of like this evenly ra- as evenly rounded as possible. I feel like, and that's why a lot of people are kind of gravitating towards it. Um, so you know, I mean, I I don't know. Are you? More left leaning or center I'm, left? I'm super center, center right. I'm pretty center. Um, I'm I'm fiscally conservative, but I'm socially uh, provocative. Yeah, <laughs> like there's a lot of obviously like most social things I lean left, and most like yes. financial things I tend to I, I like to keep my money. Yeah, that that's the way I'll put it. Is because I mean, what once you make, I think. More than like eighty grand a year, you're like, hmm, the government sure is taking a shitload of my money, and I see that I still got potholes in my roads. Yeah. So <laughs> that that gets like, and I'm I make significantly more than eighty grand a year. So yeah. it's just like, uh, I think that's where I think once you make a decent amount of money, you, you tend to lean automatically more fiscally conservative for your own interest, unless you're making yeah, like well, so much money. Once you understand how it works and yeah. the injustice of it, because it's, I think wanting to keep your money is less about other people than it is about the government screwing you over and you just don't want them to. So it's like, yeah. let me keep my money. And, well, I yeah. mean, also, I mean, just to be perfectly honest, like if, if you took like the amount of taxes that you're taking now or even more and you actually were help, helping people like Americans, I'd be fine with that. But the fact that you're taking the amount of money that you're taking, and then spending it on war, yeah, and it's, <laughs> dude, I went on a, I went on a, or not spending a, it on schools, yeah, I went on a thirty minute rant yeah, uh, yeah. yesterday on the podcast on, on the Black and the Black Times Infinity podcast, talking about this new Iran stuff, and I was just, I'm, I'm so angry with like this whole dude, thing that going is on. so crazy, man. That's oh, okay, but let's wait for that. But um, yeah. wh- what else was I gonna say? Um, by the way, blacker blacker than black times infinity, still, still the best name for a podcast. <laughs> it is a pretty good name. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's blacker than black times infinity. Once somebody says times infinity in an argument, it's over. Yeah, they yeah, got it. Because if you try to add another infinity, it's like multiplying one by one. You're like, no, 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 that doesn't count. I already said infinity. That's I got right, infinity. Yeah. You can't. 
out infinity infinity you yeah know? <laughs> but yeah but i gotta be honest though yeah. i think we talked about it a few times on the on that podcast yeah. is that the name of the podcast mm. it's semi-original so if you ever watch metal mm. metalocalypse it's like mm. a it's a metal uh it's an old metal cartoon mm. by brendan small mm. and he was talking about getting his uh his coffee blacker than black is black times infinity that's t- that's, that's cool. how black you wanted that's his cool. coffee that's yeah. cool I, I like that um and that's how i drink my coffee by the way always black <laughs> <laughs> I switched mine up, but uh, okay. So back to back to Mr. Yang. Um, what else? I mean, what? I, I don't. We don't. You know, this is the first episode. So if you're listening to this, so let's focus, I guess, mainly on UBI for this episode. Okay. Because that'll that'll just that'll make it better. What did you like about? I've been talking a lot, mm-hmm. so that's all good. What did you like about? Uh, well, about UBI. I mean, that's his main thing. So. I mean. It's just going to help people because I think people who are skeptical that it would help um, tend to be the people who don't need that thousand. (laughs) I think any normal middle class and below person in this country would appreciate an extra thousand dollars. Even like, okay, this is how stupid this is, right? This is, this is why this is the dumbest conversation anyways if they were to say it in a different way if they were gonna if the government was gonna reframe it and they just literally if they just said hey everybody under this you know amount of income by the way uh from now on you get an extra thousand dollars or twelve thousand a year or something back on your taxes yeah you know and it's paid paid back in that way or whatever however they i feel like a lot of conversations are based on how you introduce the topic and and how you argue about it. Imagine you know? this. If mm-hmm. they said today, you know what? We're going to end the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And what we're going to do with that extra money that we're going to that we're that you're already spending taxes on, we're going to give back to the people. Every year we're going to give you it'd be more than But let's be real though. I mean, they're never going to end war. I'm just saying just as a hypothetical. If they as said that dream. we're going to we're, we're going to stop something that we're obviously overspending on mm-hmm. and then we're going to give the money back to the people. Yes. Think how awesome that would be. That would be awesome. It would also be awesome if every dirty politician, whoever did something dirty and knew about it, pulled out a gun and shot their head right now. But, you know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, and that's another, actually, that does bring me to a point about, you know, the, conver- the conversation about the corporations and their interests against UBI and stuff is, um, I think it's really, at this point, pointless to um, be shocked and try to, like, reason with, any ultra wealthy or corporation that doesn't care, you know, like they're on a different set of principles than we are. And, um, it's just simply like an us versus them situation. And the people have to make them bow down versus just letting them take advantage of us without being conscious about it. Yeah. And, uh, and you can make com- companies bow down with literally with the power of, of your wallets and the crowd nowadays, you know? Well, I think people, they're, they're so enamored with um, working for basically no value to themselves. They, they make themselves, corporations have done a good job to make it seem like the more value you bring to the company, the happier you should be. Mm-hmm. And that is like, to me, that's like the complete opposite. Like the, a, a corporation is not there to make you happy. Um, to a corporation, when you're an employee, your job is to make them money. And once you realize that, I think you'd be better off. Even if you, you're fine with working for a corporation, which 
obviously I am right now. I work for a very large corporation, but they they keep me happy as far as like how much I'm being compensated and, and my personal time. But Henry, you found a way out. Mm. I mean, you you know, you do your own thing. You, you're an entrepreneur, and you don't have to deal with that nonsense anymore. But I think for a lot of people, they, they don't even see that they're in this invisible cage to where their entire lives revolve around this corporate culture. You know what I mean? And I cannot stand corporate culture. Like, I work from home for a reason because I, I, I really disdain going into an office and having to adhere towards certain rules that I don't necessarily agree with. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll play nice at work. You know what I mean? I'll, I'm, I'm a really good employee. I have a very high uh, performance review rating, but I don't like corporations. Like, the whole thing to me, it's like a, it, we're playing pretend at work. Like, this, like I do it only because it provides me with a revenue stream that makes me happy. If, if it didn't, I would not be doing it. And I think if more people would at least recognize that, they would at least see that they, they should take more time off and, and put more value in the personal lives. You know, because I've seen there's so many people that I work with where like their job is like a core part of who they are, and to me that's just like it's wrong, it's it's so wrong. I'm pulling up the Yang Gang on Twitter just mm-hmm. to see what people are saying. You know, so do you want me to keep bullshitting? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so if you're not happy, just find something that you're happy with doing, even if it's making maybe a little little less money. Uh, t- to me. Uh, if I was like severely unhappy with a job, I would. I've done it before. I've quit, but I've always, I've always happened to like quit and like work my way up. I've been very fortunate in that. Um, but I think that even if, uh, especially now that I'm, I'm older, even if I had to make a little less money to be happier, I would definitely take the pay cut. Um, or and I would move because I live in California, where in the Bay Area, where the cost of living here is insane. But if, if I the job that I'm at now, if I wasn't happy there and I thought that, you know, I couldn't find another job around here that paid me, you know, around the same amount of money, I would just move somewhere else and just to be happier, I'll take the pay cut because my happiness at this point in my life is that that's the that's the best thing. And, th- and that's why I like the idea of bringing it back around of UBI, because it, it gives us a floor, you know, of, it, of to, to stay out of poverty. So say if. Tomorrow they introduce UBI. It's twelve thousand dollars additional income that you would have a year. So say if you hated your job but you want to do something else, it gives you that cushion to to do something else and still be able to provide for yourself and your family. And I think a lot of people could really, especially like single moms, single dads, uh, poor families. Like if you're just working a job just to like bring the money home and it doesn't bring you any real personal value. And, and they're not compensating you enough to really give a shit. Uh, UBI gives you at least enough money to take a pay cut and do something that you goddamn want to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For like, I think a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, if UBI uh, was implemented uh, tomorrow, I would literally tell my girlfriend to just quit her job because mm-hmm. she's not happy with her job. But we need the income. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just be like, hey, just just quit that. Because together we would get an extra twenty four thousand dollars a year. I'll tell her to quit her job, or I wouldn't tell her. I would suggest her to quit her job because it's her choice. She's an adult. Mm-hmm. And I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. just like do because she's really good. She teaches painting, so just teach teach her painting. That will supplement the rest of the income. 
You know what I mean? And, and we would be fine. I think for a lot of families, it'd be like that. Because there's so many people right now, they work like two and three jobs. You know what I mean? It, that, that shit is insane to me, working more than one job. I mean, people should want all want UBI because it also means a better quality of life for their families, um, not just themselves. Uh, you know, if you have children, then that could be the difference between putting them in extracurricular activities yeah. or um, learning, you know, having different experiences. And so, um, I mean, again, I think it's apparent to anybody who, who could use a thousand bucks a month that they, they w- should want it. I think there's a debate about, um, you know, not wanting to give out money like for for that you don't work for it. But um, the truth is, it's not. It's also not enough money where like any average, you know, normal person can just not have to work. You okay, know? I'm bra- I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, the argument of it's money that is not worked for. Yeah, that's nonsense. <laughs> it is worked for. But you just don't see the problem. L- it's also due to us because you, when you pay taxes and you misspend our money, that's yeah. basically fraudulent activity, and you could give us at least a little bit of that back. <laughs> well, no, but it, but it's also like you have to think about it. So, like, if you take Amazon as just a just an example, mm-hmm. when you say that it's money that you didn't work for, okay, so Amazon has thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of workers. Mm-hmm. They are all working towards making this corporation trillions of dollars a year. And the fact that none of that money is coming back into our economy on the federal level is insane. That money is worked for by somebody else, and they're not paying their share. Exactly. That's, that is a problem. If you don't see that problem, then you don't understand. And also, um, from, a, from a, a technological aspect, is that uh, p- people like uh, Facebook and Google, especially those two, um, they are making trillions of dollars on, on our data. They sell our data back and forth to thousands of companies. They have all, all kinds of data breaches. And our data is worth trillions of dollars, and you are not getting paid for it. How do you think that Facebook is free? How do you think Google's free? You don't think it's fucking weird that you're getting a free email service and you're getting a free, when you go on Facebook, that you can upload thousands of pictures and videos and you don't have to pay for any of it? You don't find that odd? <laughs> it's because they're making money off of it. They make money off of all that stuff. They're making money off of you uploading that stuff, and they're providing your information to other companies, and they make money off of that. They're selling it for profit, okay? And you're not getting a cut of any of that shit. So hmm. if, if people really pay attention and be like, hey, I should be getting paid off of you know, these services because you don't find it. I mean, like, just open up Gmail right now and look at, uh, like, just click on any of your, like, emails or anything like that. If you look at the very top, you'll see like two entries where they're ads. There's ads in your emails and they're, guess what? They're directed directly to shit that you were looking up. You don't find that weird? How do you think you're doing that? I mean, I I had an idea years ago about um, basically it should be law that what happens is that Everything you do digitally is your digital avatar, and you should have control over yes. it. And you should know what what your digital avatar is doing, and you should know, you should be able to charge for the information for the data to go out. Obviously, that's not how they want it because they'll make less money that way. Um, also, they created the technology, so they're in essence they're really creating the game, and then it's up to the the players to start wising up and then trying to change the rules, you know? But the players don't even know. They don't even know That's they're in a game. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But we're being gamed um, by all these companies. 
so again, I, I think it's a case of the people versus the establishment. Yeah. Every type of establishment you could possibly think of that does not have, you know, humanity first in their mind, they're the enemy. Because God, that's a great slogan, humanity first. I know, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I, I'm seeing here that on uh, Twitter, Bloomberg Opinion is saying that UBI wasn't just a, a new thing. It has a long bipartisan history. Yeah, it really so is. So I think that might also explain why he's attracting so many uh, fans from all over the country. You know. Yeah, so one of our founding fathers, uh, Thomas Paine, he advocated for something like UBI mm-hmm. back way back in the day. Uh, so did Martin Luther King Jr. He advocated for uh, you know a basic income. That was, I mean... To me, the reason why uh, UBI appeals to me the most and that the fact that Andrew Yang is saying to give it to everyone is because, to me, that is true equality. Because when you give something to everyone at the same exact level, that is equal. And to somebody argue the otherwise, you might want to look up what fucking equality means. But um, it raises the floor of poverty for everyone. And it's, it's it also passed, uh, I think, the House twice in... I think it was like the 50s or maybe the 40s, but it's passed on a bipartisan level. And also, UBI has been used in Alaska for a while now, and it was passed by a Republican uh, governor. And they, they, every Alaskan, they get between 1000 and $2,000 a year, which is obviously way less, but, I mean, it's, it's Alaska, and not a lot of folks live there. And, and they get the money from uh, oil. From, it's an oil dividend that they get and that's that's free and clear like if you live there you get that money and i think that uh, you know andrew yang has said has said this but if if you if you're new to like the andrew yang thing none of this stuff is new to you but um arn i'm sorry if you if you're not aware of andrew yang this is is new to you but it's basically data is the oil of the 21st uh century economy because it our data is worth more than oil at this point i mean oil is going to be going basically on a on a downslope since like a couple of years ago actually i mean it's it's getting cheaper we have alternatives we have you know battery technology that that's going to hopefully replace the vast majority of gas car uh, gasoline cars hopefully not all of them because i do like gas cars um, but i want to get a battery powered car uh at some point you know a tesla or or a rivian truck or something like that but uh yeah, I mean, data is worth a lot of money. I think that a lot of people, they don't even realize that they are basically revenue streams for these corporations. Um, We're just basically no what we in. are. This is what we are. We're like, it's like the Matrix. You're in this little pod that's your your life. And the corporations got their tubes stuck to you. Yeah, your, ba- your battery. And they, and they <laughs> just keep you alive just enough so that they could keep sucking all the freaking blood out of you. And and they don't want to keep you alive in any better condition or or level of happiness than is than is required to be able to suck everything out of you, which, you know, um again, goes back to the unchecked greed, the nature of of these companies. Um but also I do think that UBI is inevitable because it's eventually going to be the only thing that would stop like or one of the last measures to stop full-on revolution yeah like if you look at the history of how like societies fall and you know you know the elements that trigger revolutions and stuff like that you know we're getting there and uh and so I think eventually with 
one thing I like that he said on the podcast with Joe Rogan is he's saying, like, look, these issues, if he could even just get them on the board, that would be a win, right? Which he did. Which he did, yeah, right? On, on the CNN uh, debate. But now, obviously, it's like, well, how about let's also win, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. but I'm saying for him to have that type of uh, pragmatic, humble type goal in the beginning means that, you know, we've already accomplished a small, small thing that's very valuable, but... Um, now it's up to Yang Gang to amplify that and really make that message into a bigger movement, you know? Yeah. Um, this is funny because it's like a, a super nerd thing. But you ever watch, like, you ever watch Star Trek? Which one? Any of them. You, you yeah. watch Star Trek? Mm-hmm. Um, did you know in Star Trek they, they have, if you're in Starfleet, there's no money? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so... There's no money in Starfleet because they, they recognize that after after there was like first contact, uh, humanity as a whole, they just started working together. Is that why and, they all have the same uniform? Yeah. They're like, and, hey, we don't have no money, bro. Yeah. It was just like. <laughs> we're just going to give you different colors. They were just like, we're, we're going to work together to make a, a better everything. The men's outfits and the women's outfits are going to look the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's cheaper. Also, we don't want you boning each other on the ship. Well, that's how it is on any ship, though. I mean, but, imagine in space, girls walk around in miniskirts. Yeah. Well, same. <laughs> Something about being in space makes that even nicer. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just to, to me that was like I thought I, when I first, you know, saw that on on or explained in Star Trek, I was like, that's an awesome idea. But how would you get to that point? But it's like if people were like detached from, if their basic needs were cared for, like what would you do? You know what I mean? And for like a lot of people in in the Star Trek you know universe, they all just try to make humanity better. What if we could do that now? Like, what if you just tried to make humanity better? Or just, just be happy in your own life? I mean, but I, what I always think about whenever I think about these issues and arguments and stuff is, I mean, one thing I don't like about the general tenor of the internet collective identity is that there's, like, this really, like, pouty, what-the-fuck kind of vibe about all these injustices. And it's like, when are people just going to stop being shocked or even angry that um, things aren't fair. <laughs> that yeah. there's so much evil in the world working against us, and as has been in so many ways, and so many people are unhappy, and, and yet we still are so shocked and like, you know, I think because the average person judges everything by their morals, and their morals are, on the average, I think are good, you know? The average person... Actually, man, I don't know. Well, I think the average person leans towards good versus evil. The, the reason why I say I don't know, especially recently, this is like very recent stuff, is that with this Iran stuff that happened, I has, I've seen so many people on my Facebook feed, both civilian and military, that are just warmongering for like to go to war with Iran. I'm just like, what in the fucking world are you talking about? Like nobody really understands the serious human cost of war anymore. And we have been at war for almost 20 years now in Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And people are still totally ignoring the human cost of war. Anytime you go to war, it, acceptable losses include civilians and children. These are acceptable losses. This happens every goddamn day. I literally sat in a room for six months of my life where it was a, it was a giant screen. It was full of like, it was probably at least 200 feet long. It was like multiple screens together where there were UAV feeds where I'd, I would literally see people getting bombed every fucking day. And there was, zero, there was zero chance 
that they were all terrorists. And if you look up like the the civilian deaths in Iraq and Afghanistan, the the numbers are astounding and fucking. Uh, there's it's sad mm-hmm. that people are just accepting that. Oh well, let's just you know make this whole area glass. I'm just like you understand when you say make that area glass. There's people that live there that are normal people that are not not saying death to America. They're just trying to live a normal life, just trying to scrape shit together. And for some reason here in America, we're just like banging the war drums. I'm just like, why are we doing this? Are you sure that's everybody though? I, it just to me, I'm just like. Or it's just it's people sad. you noticed. It's yeah. definitely sad. Um, but I think this is the way I look at it. The average person is good, if and but the average person is lazy. And, yeah. and lazy people are easily led to do things that support bad. I agree with that. And, and, and so that's why I think you can look at the actions and they can lean towards like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, what's the fuck, you know? And But I think... If you make it easier for people to do good, if, if for instance, not have super corrupt systems and you know yeah. oppress them and all that shit, then I think they will do good because you know. Uh, well, they can do good. They can, yeah. I, I think, but that's what I believe, though, and and uh, so. The question is, who are we fighting against, right? Over there. No, in oh, just in as, general, as <laughs> yeah. Yang Gang. Yeah. Oh, Yang Gang. So we are fighting toward, we're fighting against the establishment. Mm-hmm. People that just want to, they want to keep the poor poor and the middle class definitely secured in the middle class. Or back to being poor. But the thing is that most people don't know mm-hmm. is that you are far more likely to move up the ranks through the classes than anything else. Like you, if, if you're poor, you're more likely to not be poor at some point in your life. And, and by the time you die... The odds are that you should be at least middle class, mm. at least. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you think this podcast should be addressing existing Yang Gang more, or trying trying to bring in new uh, listeners um, to try and spread the message to people who aren't already fans? Uh, aren't already fans. Because, I mean, anybody that is already Yang Gang that's listening to this, you've already heard me say multiple things that are literally coming out of Andrew Yang's mouth. Um, <laughs> and, and that's fine. I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to spread his message because yeah. I, I, I yeah, believe yeah. in his message. I, I read his, his book. Yeah. It's an awesome book, which it. you haven't done it yet. What's wrong with you? I'm not a, I'm not a good fan. <laughs> I, I did donate my time to film one of his events or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, did you meet him? Like in person? I did, yeah. Awesome. Man. Yeah, I awesome. filmed him. He, he, uh, he, he, he did like a rally, and then was I... was he? Oh, holy shit! You're Asian too. Is that how he felt? He was like, "Yeah, you're know. the first yeah. Asian <laughs> I've seen in my campaign. I can't believe yeah. it. I didn't know they were Asian supporters out there." <laughs> no, he was. Um, he was kind of intense, actually. He was getting into the zone, I guess. So really? he was. Yeah, yeah. He was kind of like um, getting ready for his speech or whatever, and he, you know, he just looked a little intense. And then he seems like that. Yeah. Um, uh, I think he's taking it seriously i think he um as obviously as he should be but uh so hold on i gotta pause you real quick mm. so the things that you filmed him with is, is that out out there right now not or, yet not yet okay. gotta, yeah it will be soon but uh basically what happened was there was there was a fundraising event in san francisco uh you know filmed it for a friend who was a, an organizer 
um, got to be in the VIP area and film him in there, giving a small speech, and then in the main area where everybody was, and uh, he did another speech, and I filmed that. And then afterwards, I, I walked with him down the, uh, kind of like the, exiting the building, like in the hallway, and, and had him do like, kind of like a shout out to Yang Yang there. Um, yeah, it was cool. I mean, look, it's not like I talked to him, had a conversation, I just shook his hand and it's introduced cool. myself, because yeah. that's what's happening, you know, super quickly with everybody. Um, but, I'm just saying, it was nice to be part, actually, the thing I was most proud about was that um, uh, outside the rally or not rally the fundraiser um they they wanted to write you know yang 2020 in chalk on the sidewalk and uh and nobody could really do it because they'd never really drawn in they never drawn with chalk before well in big bold (laughs) letters on a sidewalk okay but i i have kind of so i got to draw that out you know yeah and i was like oh shit i did that but um it's like graffitiing the sidewalk temporarily but uh <laughs> yeah i don't know there's no point to this story other than uh i i feel like i have to keep being educated even more one of the main reasons why i started supporting him uh early is that um again like you i mean like being aware of ai um so i filmed the ai conference actually and it's basically a conference of, you know, like the <laughs> yeah. top AI people with companies like IBM and Google. And, yeah. you know, these are like literally the people who are creating the AI future for us, at least from the United States perspective. And, and well, internationally too. But um, And here's the crazy part. I just want everybody to understand this, okay? <laughs> what I took away from this conference about AI with the top leading AI experts and creators of AI was that none of them have any idea what is going to happen. Yeah. And so this is like, <laughs> this is a serious so, problem. So hold on. So I realized that this is the first time in history that man has uh, embarked upon designing something that they literally have no idea what is going to happen in the far future with, as a result of it. Like, even when they were making the atom bomb, they knew this bomb is going to fuck a lot of shit up. Yeah. You know what I mean? They weren't uh, ignorant to... So, you know, what I'm trying to say is that if your goal is to make, you know, what we consider, like, a sentient being out of thin air and then have it, give it the keys to our existence... um, you don't know what's going to happen to you. And so UBI is also not even the final answer, quote, to this problem of automation. It's just literally the most basic thing that we should have to prevent total destruction immediately. You know what I mean? Because as AI overturns society, there's going to be a lot of casualties financially, a lot of casualties you know, socioeconomically, and so UBI is a way to protect those people, you know? Well, and it's also, like, I'm glad you brought that up, because that actually, it, it, this goes into social media as well, is that social media and AI, they are two huge leaps forward in technology for us, Mm -hmm. but they're also potentially extremely harmful to humanity, and this is something that Andrew Yang brought up a a while ago, is that, uh, the United States, they got rid of the Office of Technology Assessment. And back in 1995, 
If uh, 1995 sounds familiar to you, it's because I was in the middle of the goddamn dot-com boom. Mm-hmm. And that w- that's when technology really started speeding up. And they, they got rid of, like, one of the most important things about technology right before it started, like, just... Taking off. Taking off, like, in huge strides. Yeah. And they really need to bring that back because if you look at, like, nobody in uh, government government right now is talking about AI. First of all, because most of them are old as shit. And I, I got to be totally honest with you. They don't even understand what, what artificial intelligence means mm-hmm. or what it what it means to the future. Because, I mean, they're, they're thinking, uh, like, they have really old, like, ideas. And it's, I'm an older guy, but I'm not that old. And I'm also in tech, so I understand the dangers to where that comes from. But these people, they're not in tech. They're all about, they're all politicians, and they don't understand the dangers of the technology. And as, as proof of this, you have uh, these politicians bringing up people like you know Mark Zuckerberg into Congress, like asking him all these dumbass questions. Uh, that they they're all questions that are basically shit that they could have regulated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're asking him, oh well, you know. Why do you have Facebook ads with political ads that are attack ads? It's like, why don't you just make a a a bill that says you cannot have political ads on social media? Like to me, that's that's a done deal. It's easy, you know what I mean. But but you don't. You sit there and you attack some guy who's basically a nerd, and you attack him for his social platform when you're giving him literally no guidance on how to run his platform in the way you want him to run it, and you attack him. For like literally a day straight, and you give him no guidelines, and I think that one of the things that Andrew Yang talked about doing is bringing back the Office of uh, Technology Assessment to really assess the effects of technology on society, um, and just humanity in general, and really learning how to like when you need to like regulate stuff and when you don't need to regulate stuff. But right now, it's basically the wild west with, with technology right now. Like no, the, everything that we're doing is in technology. Is it just advanced? That's all. There's there's literally zero concern about uh, consequences with technology right now. There's none that I've seen, and it's been proven. Like right now, I mean, like when you see all these studies coming out now about you know children being adversely affected mm-hmm. with uh, screen time and stuff mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. it's like listen, like I'm not gonna let my my child who's uh, three right now, she's not gonna own a smartphone until she's at least 13 years old. That's pretty smart. You know what? I'll, I'm going to back you up on that because this blew my mind as well. Um, first of all, you, if you just have any lick, a lick of common sense, okay, just know this. Steve Jobs didn't allow his kids to use yeah. his own products, okay? And when somebody asked Bill Gates how old should uh, somebody be before they – a kid be before allowed, they're allowed to use, you know, tablets or computers um, – like that, and I think he said thirteen or yeah, something 13 or 14, like that. Yeah, and I was like really mind blown. I was like, "That's so old, older than you would think." Right? But just like, think about it. Like at that age, when we were thirteen or fourteen years old, or even younger than that, like if you were twelve or before, you're giving a child the entire like the history of man, the human experience from a all, standpoint like they're all dirty perverts yes like the good and the bad <laughs> like seriously you're giving that to a child and nobody like they don't they're just like oh just let them have fun i'm like no they there are serious consequences to the internet and people just don't even recognize it they're just like oh you know fuck it they don't they don't see like the dark side of the internet you know what i mean 
And they really are uh, ignorant to the fact that these tech companies are working against them and making them these things addictive. Also harmful for adults, too. Um, well, because it makes them revenue, because there's no regulation. Because they're just like, well, it'll make us more revenue, so we're just going to do it. But at the same time, it's like, you need to put the brakes on some stuff. <laughs> and you need to have a regulating body to do that. And I think that the Office of Technology Assessment would actually get out there and actually do some fucking research in seeing the up and the downsides of these technological innovations. I'm, I'm all about innovation, but it's like, listen, if the innovation is obviously a detriment to society, can we at least have a have a governing body that looks at that? You know what I mean? Like, that makes sense, right? Absolutely. Um, so we're getting off track anyways, so maybe we should wrap this well, up. Well, that's still a Yang message. I mean, that's That cool. is a Yang message. But it was not but about not UBI. UBI. Yeah. But uh, I, I, this is all an experiment anyways. I'm, I'm curious, like, what are the intentions... Uh, of this podcast to spread spread the message to everybody which means that you know I think we should bring on people to talk to yes that are experts in, I, in these areas because nobody wants to listen to two guys just talk about just their opinion well I, I know a Yang Yang supporter that is actually a VR guy oh cool and he's, and he's like he's a very high up in the VR industry let's get him on um, so him I'll, on. I'll, I'll reach out to reach him out. he's actually a, a super nice guy he That's, yeah so I'll, that's awesome. Yeah, that's the way to get this rolling. If we if we start bringing on good good guests, and I think that's the best way to do it, because to be honest, I don't want to say too much because I again I don't personally feel like I represent you know a lot of people out there. I just really care about the issues, but I have my own like you know lens on things. Yeah, and and uh, and I I think again even just the idea of really truly believing in humanity first, it's like putting your own lean to the side. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever that is, and just try to make decisions that are based on is this actually like humanity first or is this just me first, you know? Right. Well, uh, that being said, uh, if anybody that's listening to this and you're Yang Curious and you. Yang want Curious. To, sounds yeah, kind of sexual. Yang Curious. That's a new one. Yeah. If, uh, <laughs> if you're Yang Curious and you want to know what his policies are on anything, and you're obviously too lazy to look it up yourself. <laughs> Uh, we will break it down for you. Like, if you want to know his, his stance on healthcare, because he has like unique stance on healthcare, uh, or any other like uh, gun rights, which he changed, because that was one of the main things. Okay. Uh, for me, when I first saw like his uh, his gun rights thing, I was like, mm, I don't know about that. But then he, he changed it, and so I, I was happier about it because I'm a gun rights advocate, and mm-hmm. to me, what he's saying is kind of like a it's a nice middle ground. So if you have any questions about any of his proposals. Or just anything in general that you'd want to know for a presidential candidate, uh, ask us. Uh, you can – what's a good thing? Uh, so if you email us at – we'll use the Be The MBTI because we don't have like a yeah, yeah. black and yellow one yet. So if you do uh, B-T-H-A-N-B-T-I at gmail.com and ask us a question about Andrew Yang, uh, we will answer it. We'll do like the legit research, even though I, I know most uh, most of his proposals, but I'll, I'll do enhanced research, both me and Bunny Man. <laughs> and uh, we will answer your question to the best of our knowledge. That, that's, that's pretty fair, right? Yeah. I, I want to get this so we can get like his his message out there um, to everybody. And we'll make jokes. <laughs> Lots of jokes. Right, we're out of here.
when the eagle claw strikes.